cover zero. We are back this week with a lot to discuss. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing good. Great. Great. Dodgers is playing nervous. nervous. Hope y'all lose, but you know, <laughs> I'm going to stick, stick to football tonight. <laughs> so let's get right into it. I wanted to start off with our Monday night game. Let's talk about it. So, Bears versus Rams. Rams came out for a couple of turnovers from Nick Foles, but pretty much cruised the entire night. What did you guys see from the Rams that you were impressed with? And what is going on in Chicago? I felt like the Rams really just won this game on the, in the trenches. You know, I felt like in the run game, they had 150, uh, 100, 150 rushing yards, and that was just in the uh, that was in the end of the third. You know, and 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 then the Bears they had forty two rushing yards, which is, you know, we kind of been talking about over the last you know a couple games is the the, the Bears their offense is just they they have nothing on offense. You know, they literally don't. Nick Foles is not. You know, he's 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 just not that good, you know. And and if he don't turn it around, you know, the fans. I already seen a couple on SSAW asking for Mitchell to come back and start. But if he don't turn it around, then you know this this can get kind of ugly. Because I mean, they're gonna go. They're they're gonna. There's gonna be games where they're going against high powered offenses, and if they can't, you know, put more points than what they put up this past Monday then it's, it's, it's going to be a struggle for them. So I feel like the line, the, the trenches is where it really started. Then they were getting sacks. I felt like the Rams, I talked about this on the last podcast, the Rams defense, that, that pass defense hasn't been all of that. They got, you know, a couple players over there. That's, that's pretty solid. Obviously Ramsey being the best one in the secondary, but that defensive line is, it still need to be respected. You know, we've seen mm-hmm. how much pressure they got on Nick Foles. So, you know, I, and and that that caused problems. You know, you already got a QB. You already got a QB that that hasn't really been all of that throwing the ball when he has time. And then when you got that pressure, you know, coming at you the way they came at him, it's just tough to deal with. And Aaron Donald, although he he only he he didn't really have like a a great game or anything like that. He did get some pressures, but he only had a half a sack. You know, so it was really the other defensive lineman that was really and the linebackers actually uh, Leonard Floyd. You know, my guy. And um, I forgot the other guy, but they they the ones that was really, you know, putting some pressure on them. So, yeah, you know, this was uh, – yeah, this was – this it was – it came down to the trenches. I mean, not Leonard Floyd. Um, he's on the on the Bears. Uh, I forgot the other linebacker. But, yeah, their, their defensive line, their linebackers was really getting to them. So, let me ask you guys this. Nick Foles is a champion. I know I say that a lot. But Nick Foles is a champion. What do you guys think? Do you guys think it's the system? Do you think that he is just, that was his peak and now he's dropped? Like, what do you think is the real issue behind that offense? Uh, I think in order for Nick Foles to be successful, I feel like he has to have a lot of, great supporting cast around him. Uh, we saw when he was his best with the Eagles, when he had, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, and Goddard. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. He had a solid running game behind him. He was pretty successful with that crew with him. So over there with, with Philly, I mean, I'm sorry, over there with the Bears, his best option on offense is, is uh, Allen Robinson. You know, uh, you know, we don't know what the – with the tight end, you know, he's a rookie, so you can't count on him too much. Um, we, we are, we've been talking about David Montgomery, how he hasn't been uh, running very well this year. So I think in order for, for Nick Foles to, like, really get his full potential to see it, I think he really has to have a, have a lot of good weapons around him. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it comes down to type of offense, maybe, you know, and, 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 and on top of what Henry's saying, it has to be the weapons, you know. But he has – see, that that's what gets me, too, because he don't have the type of weapons that Philly had. Philly had a whole bunch of weapons a year that they won. But here, he have some weapons here. And even when he's able to – like, when you see him, when he has the time in the pocket to throw the ball, he's just not accurate enough, you know. Right. And there's times where he's just, you know, widely missing these – these wide receivers, you know. Um, so I, I would say maybe different type of scheme, you know. Maybe and I'm not saying Matt Matt Nagy is, you know, he's kind of been a little disappointing. I know some of the fans has been on his head a little bit. I, I think the scheme, though, would be – I think the scheme would be a big factor for Nick Foles to really flourish. It has to be – I think scheme-wise, has to be a better scheme than what they're running over there. Well. Let's move into another topic that I'm actually, I know this is going to sound bad, but excited to discuss. Let's move into the Dallas Blues. Here's the thing, guys. Are we really going to talk about them? We are really going to touch on this because they are about to, they are really close to making history and setting a record. Not a good record. They have, what, 34.7 points per game that they're allowing right now? The record was 1966 by the Giants. Of course, figure it stays in our division. But they gave up, like, 35.8? Like, how? Do you guys think, when I look at it, I see leadership issues. However, I'm not quite sure where those leadership issues begin at all. Right now, we're hearing a whole bunch about, you know, a blame game, players blaming coaches, coaches blaming players. What do you guys see? Is What do you guys think? Can Mike McCarthy fix this? What's going on in Dallas right now? It's ugly. It's very, very ugly. And what I see right now with Dallas Cowboys is they have some bad luck. A lot of it. Several injuries. This isn't who they expected to be trotting out there on the field by any means when you look at the roster and the shape that it's in, especially the offensive line. I mean, that's a patchwork group of guys that was normally a strength just two years ago. Tops in the league, as we'd all talked about for a while. But the way this team is buying in, and the NFL, that's one of the hardest things to do that separates an NFL coach from a college head coach. These are professionals. These are grown men. And you don't necessarily pick your guys all the time. So to be an NFL head coach that gets buy-in from a group of professionals, you have to ha- you have to be a leader of men. And if you're not, they'll be able to see that. And sure, winning can usually fix some of those little areas, but 
as far as the buy-in and the motivation, Henry, you've talked about it before. Zeke looks disinterested. He don't even care. Before the game, he, it looks like they're just, he's saying one, two, three, Cancun. Let's, you know, that's what he wants to go do. And this is what I would have expected had Jason Garrett still been the coach with this type of injury woes. Right. Yet it's Mike McCarthy and there's still zero motivation and earnest to get better and improve and be well. And, and, and it doesn't seem like they are playing any kind of inspired football. Sure, they were losing close games before, but right now, there's no more life and fight in this team. And when you see something like that, because the players that they have aren't terrible, they shouldn't be doing worst of all time numbers. But yet here they are on the defensive side of the ball. And now the offense is just in shambles in itself. And that that is reflected upon leadership, if you ask me. Yeah, it's, you know, it's crazy because I remember the Ravens 2016 season. I think we had about 23 players on IR that year. But with all those injuries, it's crazy how all the players were still fighting for John Harbaugh. I don't think we didn't lose a game by no more than eight points. So that team was still believing, you know, they're still fighting. Even though we lost Terrell Suggs, we lost Marshall Yana, we lost Joe Flacco, we lost all of our key players to IR, you know, a lot of players were still fighting. I don't right. see that with the Cowboys at all. Like, I, I know they're going through injuries. I know they lost Tyron Smith. They lost Dak Prescott. But it, it just seemed like they're just showing up to to put on the pads and just to hurry up and get these little three hours over with, with the football game and, and get right back home. Like, they do not care. You can see it. They do not care at all. I don't remember the last time when Zeke ever had this type of fumbling problem ever. ever. I, you know, he's not even picking up key blocks when he's uh, staying back there to block. You can just tell. And this did you guys – Sorry, Henry, but did you guys notice when they asked him about the fumbles, his response was like, meh. Like, what? It's yeah, like, he, dude. He, like, he, don't, he don't care. He don't care. This whole, the whole Dallas Cowboys team don't care. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's about that time that Jerry Jones, maybe he's get a real general manager, him stop do, taking care of that duties because it just, it's just been going downhill. It's not going, it's not going in a positive direction at all. Yeah, man, I got um. Well, before I before I get into this, I want to get back to the Leonard Floyd. I had it right. He's he is on the Rams. That confused mm-hmm. me a little bit because you know he was playing for Chicago and they was both playing the teams. You know, the same playing each other and whatnot. But anyway, getting back to that, yeah, you know, it, it sucks because you know I, I know I'm one of them. I think a lot of people outside of football team fans and and the fans in that division felt like the Cowboys was going to be a solid team this year. You know, and one of the main reasons why I felt like they was going to be solid was because of Mike McCarthy. They had a lot of talent over there, but because he was a proven head coach, you know, we seen what he did over there in Green Bay, you know, and you never seen nothing like that where the players, you know, gave up on him or anything like that. Granted, he obviously has one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback of all time over there playing at that time, you know, and he has some other talented veterans as well. But it's just, you know, it, it, it starts with the coaching. You know, because the players, when the players start not caring, then that's when you got a problem. And, you know, and that's why I say it sucks because they just hired him. So at this point, you know, do you do you fire Mike McCarthy this early? I mean, this is his first year, obviously. He's only, what, seven games in? Or do you, you know, adjust within the coaching staff? You know, do you fire some of the guys on the coaching staff? You know, and I don't even know if that would, would do anything, you know, so – yeah, it, it, it's really uh, it, it's it's strange what's really going down over there. And then you would think too, because although they they haven't been playing good football, no no team in that division has been playing good football. You would think they would still be fighting hard. But like Henry said, you know, dealing with injuries, dealing with certain 
dealing with certain uh, lost players and whatnot, you're still in this in this you're 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 still competing. You know, you still could win this division. You're so still it's not a professional. Like yeah, yeah, professionals. You know, and but sometimes you know, even being professionals, when you when you're losing the way you're losing, you're fumbling the ball the way you're fumbling the ball. You know, you lose your starting QB. Sometimes your team could fold. You know, most teams do fold. But when you are still in it, it just seems like you you should still have some type of heart. You know what I mean? Still have some type of heart to finish off the the, the season. You know, and keep going. So I, you know, it's kind of strange what's going on over there. You know, they may need to make some adjustments with the coaching staff. Yeah, I don't know. I I agree with the things that you guys are saying, and like I said, leadership is an issue. I'm not sure where they I'm not sure where they even begin with that because when you have a team out there on the field that literally looks like they hate football I don't know if there's any coach that's going to dig out of that whatever funk thing is going on there what I mean there's only so much yes there's a coaching issue but also it's a first-year coach, short season or short off-season, basically no preseason. What I, I don't even know where you begin with that. It's, they're going to probably have to let someone – I think the fall guys will be like the coordinators, the people who have been installing things, just because if you get rid of McCarthy right away, that does reflect poorly then on Jerry as well to hang with right. someone such, so long as he hung with Garrett – and but the one thing I also was wondering is it's like if Mike McCarthy is this bad of a head coach in terms of motivating individuals, leading mm-hmm. men, what does that say about like how the Packers were able to be as good as they were for so long? I mean, one of editors, you know, he's, <laughs> he's he's probably Mike McCarthy as a leader. He's probably somewhere in between what the success of Green Bay had and the turmoil that we're seeing now in Dallas. That's probably where he truly lies because we're not in the locker room. We 100% don't know. But I guess to answer the question, I would say that the first thing that's probably going to have to take place because, you know, Jerry ain't going to own up to it. And if he fires McCarthy, that makes him look bad. So the next dude's in line to get that ax, your coordinators, Kellen Moore, calling five-step drops when you got, you know, uh, Band-Aids out there playing left tackle and right guard, you know. (laughs) So – that might that might be what I think happens down the line. Yeah, I agree. And that's probably where it's going to end up. It's probably going to be coordinators because, I mean, like you said, it would reflect bad on Jerry Jones because he kept Jason for so long. That was a great point. He kept him for so long. You know, and most coaches, you know, you wouldn't expect a, a veteran coach, a, a former Super Bowl winning coach, to get fired his first season. Right. So yeah, it would look real bad on Jerry Jones. So it would, if it, if that happens, it would happen with one of the offensive coordinators, or I mean, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators, or one of the assistants. Got to be, you know, defensive coordinator probably get the first axe, you know, if they happen to get rid of multiple coaches on that staff. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So let's get into our next week of football. And let's start off with this Thursday night game. We have the Falcons and the Panthers, both coming off of close losses. Um, what what are the Falcons going to do? I don't know. I the Falcons have 
come up with so many different ways to lose this season. I'm almost interested in this not necessarily interesting game just to see if they can come up with a different way to do it. <laughs> like I'm at that point with them. Like what will, how are you going to lose next? Because they're not getting smashed by anyone. They're just finding ways to beat themselves. And I just can't even, I what's going on guys. It's so funny. Like the way they lost the, that lions game, at the end of it, it's like Gurley was going to run for score a touchdown but he didn't want to score a touchdown. He tried not to. But then he like, scored, then he fell and like, oh no, I scored. Right. And then and he fell in the end zone. Then it's like, oh no, and then they get the ball back minute long drive. And then they gave up the touchdown. I mean, it's just like how, like you, like you said, Brandy, that's that a great point. How are they going to lose becomes the entertaining thing or the thing that you wait to see until the end of the game. This Falcons offense is good. There's playmakers there. Yeah. Right, right. So, but like, and they this is this will be the second time that they've played the Panthers already this year. So they played them just back on what the eleventh of this month, and the Panthers won twenty three to sixteen. And they were never really, they didn't like you say they don't really get blown out too much. The Packers been the only team we've really seen that put it on them, and right. And so, but but they lost that game twenty three to sixteen. They moved the ball down the field in the first quarter. Went all the way in for the into the end zone. Offense looking really sharp, even though they didn't have Julio in that game. And then they didn't score another touchdown for the entire game. After the opening drive, it was just field goals here and there. And whether or not it's the defense or the offense sputtering, or it just they they look so incomplete in so many facets of this of of the game. And I just they're going to have to have a big overhaul too if they're going to turn it around because it's not happening this year. It's, it's just really not. And how are they going to lose? I think this one will be a little bit more convincing on Thursday or tonight when they when they do kick off as to, oh, yeah, the Panthers are clearly the better team. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, you guys brought up some really good points. And it's funny because, Jordan, you brought up about the Cowboys being cursed. I mean, that might that, <laughs> that might that award might go to the Falcons, man, because mm-hmm. – they just seemed, like you guys said, seemed to find ways to lose. They have a lot of talent on this team, you know. And, you know, when you look at the Matt Ryan, and then, you know, I was I was reading that, you know, uh, players like Julio Jones and then Matt Ryan, you know, don't seem like they really want to be traded. It looks like they want to be there, you know. Mm-hmm. So you got players, you got some of the veteran players there that's talented that want to be there and still want to play for that team. But it's it's just, it's amazing how, you know, they they found themselves in this in this position, you know, even with mm-hmm. the interim, you know, interim head coach, you know, Raheem Morris, who I like, who I think didn't get a fair shake over there in Tampa. He's taken over and they look they look pretty good. You know, lad, they look pretty good last week. And then this week it was like revert right back to the same thing, you know, finding ways to lose the game. So, I, you know, I don't know really what what's going on with this team. You know, um, they have the talent there. I think they will need an overhaul just to get out of this this funk that they're in you know but yeah they need they need something they need something to to really change there you know it needs to be more than just the the coaching staff they happen to um not keep Raheem Morris I think they also need to find ways to replace some of these other players you know and Matt Ryan and you brought up a really good point I was thinking about about this team and this player right now Matt Ryan and the, the 49ers you know he's talking about the trade and the trade deadline and you brought up a 
a good possible trade, that would be a great possibility. I, I think they should really explore that, you know. But yeah, I think I think they really need to overhaul this whole team. It's crazy. Like, you know, the Falcons would have never given up with all those leads. They'll be probably one of the be better one of the better teams in the NFL. But <laughs> it just shows that the defense and, and the offense and even the special teams, they just cannot get in sync of holding on to those to those leads and, and winning those ball games. And it's crazy. I think that um the Falcons, I, I think they're in rebuilding mode. I think they should go ahead and start trading away some of those uh, older guys and start getting this draft capitals to, to, to start rebuilding this team. Trade the Julio, trade Matt Ryan. You know, it is, it is interesting. If they do trade, uh, say they would to trade Matt Ryan to, to the 49ers, it's like, what happened with Jimmy then, you know? That's two big quarterbacks right. with, two big, with two big contracts. But and Jimmy's start, for only this year, though. You could yeah. cut Jimmy and be good. Yeah, but I'm saying, but, I mean, that's still this year, though. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, are you going to pay him? Because, of course, you already know Jimmy won't be the starter 100%. So, it's like, True. are you are you going to, you know, how are you going to have a, a, a backup making that much more, more money? But it does make sense, though, like I said, because you, you uh, we saw the success – that Shanahan did have it with Matt Ryan when he was the offensive coordinator over there with Atlanta. So that would be very, very interesting. But yeah, man, the Falcons, they just it just seems like every new week it's a different way of they're they're finding a different way of how to lose a lose a football game. It just seems like Todd Gurley really not being able to stay out of the edge. I was like, damn, can that really happen any any other way? But Henry, yeah, you were a running back when you played. Were you ever put in a bro, position to do yeah, that? Bro, you were able to control your balance. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know if he did that on purpose because maybe they want a high draft pick. I don't know, bro. But you're able to fall down. There's just no way. So, like, I, I never like I scored many a touchdowns in my day. Receiver returning, even defensive touchdowns as DB. I was never a running back, and it's so you're that, that's the only player usually who's put in that scenario. Like, get that far and. And don't score. We saw it, Brian it, Westbrook do great, yeah. but we've seen Ahmad Bradshaw fall in the end zone. We've now seen Todd Curley. Right. It's, it's very <laughs> simple. I don't know, but that's the Falcons for you. That's Atlanta for you. Yeah. To see I, the other team excited, like, oh, other team scored. Like, I just, I still laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> the other team was glad you scored. Like, how bad is that? You score a touchdown in an empty ass stadium, and the only people cheering is the other team. What a <laughs> like, odd you can't even make that up. It's so funny. Yeah, man. I mean, I get. I guess we should say something about the game coming up tonight. <laughs> we got to say something about that because you know, I mean, like, like you said, Josiah, like the 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 Cowboys. We were talking about them. They are the team that's quit. And Henry, when you referenced how the Ravens did not quit on Harbaugh, they believe in their coach. They believe in their guys. The Falcons, you still have players that aren't just laying down yeah. unless they need to not score a touchdown. But but then <laughs> but apart from that, like they're still going out there. Julio is off and on injured. He'll go out there, catch a pass and got to go stretch that hamstring, get treatment, come back there, catch another he's pass. Had, he's over had and over 16 receptions and 234 yards in the last two weeks killing in his 30s like he's and he's hurt. still balling so. and hurt and so you have they're not quitting they aren't they're, they're like we have like we keep harping on they are just simply not closing out the game and that usually is a sign of a team that's not good you can't do because every most nfl games that are close 
they come down to just a few plays, a few things, five to seven different plays in different phases of the game. And the good teams are the ones who can capitalize on win on those ones and really separate themselves. And so the Panthers, I mean, they're clearly better than the Falcons. They actually, Teddy Bridgewater had his probably his best game of the season when they played a few weeks ago. And I mean, ultimately, I just think that's just going to continue. They do get Julio for this game. Hopefully it's on a short week and he's been dealing with that injury. But even if he's out there, that just helps take some attention away from Calvin Ridley. But regardless, <laughs> it's, it's the Panthers going to win. The Panthers are actually, I can't remember specifically what our win total prediction was for them when we were going through our preseason episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're doing a lot better than I had thought that they would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I definitely want to touch on that, you know, because I didn't think the Panthers was going to be good at all. I, I, I definitely wasn't a believer in Matt Rule, but this, this, this coaching staff, they, they really, they're building something over here already. You know, um, point. they're both the offensive coordinator. Obviously, he's he came from college. Matt Rule, obviously, he came from college. You know, and they and they kept the the holdover. Um, Jake Pence the QB coach. And I feel like he's really actually putting his stamp on Teddy Bridgewater as far as his, he's opening up his talents a little bit more. He's throwing the ball a little bit better. He's throwing it deep a little bit more than he's accustomed of doing, you know, and, and this team is really playing. They're really, really playing on both sides. I, I think the defense, you know, the defense line can get a little bit better. And, you know, I think one thing that's um, really surprising with the, with the Carolina Panthers, they're doing this without CM. They're doing this without Christian McCaffrey. Right. That's that's really impressive because I I I felt like this and Henry felt the same way. We thought 75 70% of his offense was going to be all, you know, through Christian McCaffrey and it has not been that way. He has not played since week 2 since he played us. So, you know, this is this is uh this this Panther team is definitely playing a lot better than I thought they would. I know Jordan, one thing I I, I do remember with with when we were talking about this division I know I had them finishing third, and you had the Falcons. You had the Fat Falcons finishing third. So that sounds correct. That does so, sound yeah, correct. But we're both. I mean, we're it's still surprising though, because although I had the the Panthers finishing third, I definitely didn't think the Falcons would only have one win at this point. You know, and I didn't think the Panthers would be playing uh, again as good as they're playing. So mm-hmm. yeah, Panthers. I got the Panthers winning this one, thirty three to thirty. Y'all watch Brian Burns yet for the Panthers or Jeremy Chin? Yeah, I, I got a chance to watch when you mentioned him. Yeah, I got a chance to I got a chance to watch him, man. He's a ball hawk. He's everywhere. Every time the ball gets thrown in one of the wide receivers, he's right there. Playing so many positions right now. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And Burns as a pass rusher is effective, but yeah, just those two guys defensively. Look out for them. Yeah. Let's move into our next preview. We have Ravens. And the Steelers. I'm really excited about this game, so I can only imagine how you're feeling, Henry. What do you see in this matchup being key to your Ravens taking over the Steelers who are just on a roll right now? Uh, I think we got to stop that that short passing game. You know, the last game um, that the Steelers just played, Versus the Titans, they only threw the ball over 20 yards twenty uh, three times in that whole entire game. And two of them went for interceptions. The other one was an incomplete pass. 
So I think we stopped that short, uh, quick passing game because I think they're going to try to get that Big Ben, get the ball out pretty quickly and stop the running game. Well, I, I think we're going to do a pretty stout job on stopping the running game regardless. But key in on that running game. And then for their defense, we got to hold uh, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree because they have been wrecking havoc this year so far. But I think Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown can, uh, you know, be ready for both of them. So I think we contain them. Like I brought up on the, our last episode, I think them losing Devin Bush is a, is a real big key factor to their defense. So I think Lamar is going to probably break a couple of runs. Uh, Mark Andrews over the middle, I think is going to have a, a big impact on that as well. So then with the addition of Yannick Ngakwe, I think is going to help us a lot, especially in those third down. Cause that's what we got. That's the key. We got to stop them on third downs. We saw how how great they were on third down versus the Titans, so I think we got to really really limit them uh, and, and get off the field on those third downs. That's going to be very key to the victory. Uh, we're pretty good coming off bye week since John Harbaugh been our uh, our head coach. We were ten and two coming off a of bye. We're coming off a of bye this week versus Steelers, and we're at home. Um, so it's going to be a, a good game. Hard no, probably the best rivalry in football. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely I have the Ravens taking it. Uh, I'll say. Uh, 21 to 10. Ooh. Ooh, you're holding them to 10 points. 10 points. Ooh. Dang, that's like 20 below their average, almost 20 below their average. What team have they played with the defense? Okay. Mm. Look at this. Don't tell me. Is there any team that they played that has I'm a good defense? I'm not trying to think right now. Like, there I is a one. Say, I don't think so. I mean... The, uh, yeah, I mean that's that is true. They haven't played a team that has a defense that you are necessarily worried about by any means. Yeah, Tennessee. You know, we just saw them. We already know how bad their defense is. You know, so they they, they haven't played nobody with a, a great, not even a, or a decent defense at all this year. You can't say Tennessee got a decent defense. They did hold them only like what three points in the second half. Man, Tennessee, Tennessee been getting cooked this year on defense. Yeah. Ten. All right. That's bold. The one other question I wanted to ask you, Henry, because this is your squad, and you had mentioned specifically Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown, your tackles going against their edge players. And if we do see TJ Watt on Ronnie Stanley, I mean, that's probably the best edge rusher in football right now against the best pass blocking left tackle in football right now. So I think that's strength on strength. When I was looking at this matchup, I saw it as the interior defensive line, the Oh yeah, to it, Tyson Alvalu yeah. and yeah, Cam it's gonna Hayward. be a problem. Yeah, it's gonna be an issue. That's, yeah, yeah, that's where I was especially, like, with, you especially know, especially at our right guard. We're playing a rookie over there with Tyree Phillips out of Mississippi State. I think Bradley Bozeman will hold up his end over at the left guard. Well, you know, he's gonna take some, he's gonna lose some. That that's just how football is. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. what I am worried about over there with the right guard with Tyree Phillips. I'm actually kind of mad because I think we should be starting DJ Fluker over there. That's honestly. what I was. I was gonna ask you the same thing. Yeah, so it kind of – I don't know what, what – maybe because he came in late or, or whatever the case may be. I don't know. But, yeah, I honestly think DJ Fluker should be the starting right guard. I think Tyree is going into this game questionable on the injury report. Yeah, he was. I'm, I, yeah. We'll know more this week because, you know, they don't really say too much when we're on a bye week. But we'll, I know we'll know more this week. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I – I ha- I have you guys winning too. Primarily, I think the bye week is huge. It, it allows you to refresh. It allows you to sit back and chill. And there was this cool article that I read about Mark Andrews went on this fishing trip with his friends, 
And he was like, all right, guys, I'm all done. They're like, bro, we just, what do you mean? This is like our last day. But now he's like, no, nah, I got to go watch the Steelers play the Titans because this, this is important. So he left the trip and just went to a spot, turned on the TV just to watch the game, to sit there and scout. And like, and the Ravens, like you mentioned it earlier with how they didn't quit on John Harbaugh. He's had buy-in for years and years and years and routinely been one of the best coaches in the league for so long. And this rivalry is going to instill not only like brute strength, physical ass defense, you know, hit you in the mouth, who hits harder. But in a year where we've seen the NFL be something that's not what we are accustomed to, we're going to get a matchup that is as accustomed to as we have been or as we have seen. And it's also between two teams when the stakes are insanely high, considering the records for both ball clubs and at this point in the year. So that's what I think is really dope. Steelers are going to get Mike Hilton back. He didn't play in the Titans game. And two little interesting or one little interesting nugget is because that I like with this game, just from a stylistic standpoint, is the Steelers and the Ravens are the two heaviest blitz teams in the league. It's like a 1% margin that you guys, it's like you guys leapfrog each other one week and then go back the other week. But right now, you guys are still one percentage point ahead of the Ravens in terms of how often you blitz. Mike Hilton blitzes more than any other corner. And then the third highest blitzing corner in the NFL is Marlon Humphrey. Which is stupid. That shit pisses me off. (laughs) Why is that? That is dumb. How you gonna have our best corner? Uh, y'all should see me on Twitter. I go off every time he, he every time Wink blitzes, and it's crazy because he has two sacks. But that's not the point. He's the best co- or best cover corner. Why is he freaking blitzing? That that shit gets me so hot, bro. He's good at it though. He is, but he's better at covering. Yes. I just he's he's very multi talented. Like you can watch that dude do so many things in the course of a game. Man up somebody, play deep zone. Like like he is such a multifaceted corner right now. And to see him use him on the blitz now, I I like seeing it because it's like how many teams are really game planning for that. Yes, you do take your best coverage guy out of there, and it would make a little bit less sense to me if he wasn't effective. But he's he's doing very well at it. So that's the only reason. And it's it's. Maybe dial it back a little bit. I, I could be with you there and see that because you want your best cover dude in coverage. And it's not like you guys are lacking people that can get after the quarterback. So maybe with the addition of Yannick coming that's, to the yeah, team, that's, maybe. That's, that's the point. Because I don't think we're going to be bl- blitzing as much. Because we can finally rush four with, with Jude on Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, and, and Yannick. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then drop seven. We already have one, you know, probably the best secondary in the NFL. That You, you know, use the strength of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to pay attention to that specifically, but there's just there's a lot to unpack on so many levels of this. But uh, yeah, the Steelers, that deep passing game, I think they're going I think they're going to try to hit it more because they understand or at least what they have seen within the NFL is that. And it's still the same thing as a Ravens fan. You probably don't like hearing it, but it's that negative game script. And if they want to go head up with you guys, I feel like they coming off of the week the week one by or allow the one week by last week and allowing Lamar to maybe get more opportunities to break a big one, but then just maybe taking deep shots to try to minimize those and maybe hit Claypool over the top on one of them if you catch Marcus looking in the backfield and trying to jump a route yeah. because we yeah. all know that's something that he likes to do. So mm-hmm. I think they dial that up a little bit more, especially how they really reeled in Claypool last week with only necessarily one touch. So in this game, I'm picking the Ravens. I don't have it with that scoring margin that you have. 
I don't. I mean, you're right. They haven't necessarily played a defense like this yet. But at the same time, I don't necessarily say if the Ravens have played a defense like the Steelers. So either way, I got the Ravens winning. I like this to be a more of a one possession type of game. I'm going 24 to 20 Baltimore. That's a good score too. Ah, this is a tough one for me, man. This is a tough one. I went back and forth. Uh, I have the Steelers winning this one by three. You know, you guys brought up some really good points. You know, um, they both blitz real heavy. And I agree with you a thousand percent, Jordan. I do think they're going to open up the deep passing in this game. The Steelers, that is. I think Big Ben, he's going to pass the ball a little bit more downfield. He's going to have to, you know, um, because, I, you know, the Ravens, they play, they play really good sound defense. And they'll be ready for that short passing attack, you know, and um, they're going to be ready for the run. So, you know, I, but I, 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 these two teams, they play against each other so well each year. You know, even if one is not as good as the other, they seem to play each other really, really well. You know, right. I was going back. I was watching the, the game last, last year that they when they played, when they had Mason Rudolph over there, the Steelers. And even that was a really good game. And Mason got knocked out of the game. And the, the, the Ravens, they won that game, but it was it was an OT, you know. And Lamar Jackson, that was one of his weakest games, and he won his MVP that that year, you know. So this is going to be a really good game, man. I, I I can't wait to see it. You know, they're they're both going to be. I think that, and I I definitely don't think the Steelers is only going to put up ten points. We're going to have to place a, a little wager on that, Henry. I, I think they. Hey, I want some action on that too. If we're gonna, yeah, they're gonna, gonna get busy. Point. But whoever, I mean, you know, it's going to be a great game regardless, you know, but I, I think one of the main things that the Steelers are going to do is they're going to force Lamar Jackson to really pass the ball. I don't think he's really going to run. He, he might break for one, maybe two, you know, sometimes that's all it takes. So if it is a, if it's a close game and it's like the fourth quarter or third quarter and he break for a long run and it leads up to a touchdown or he scores on that drive, then yeah, that, that, that could be all it takes. But I think they're really going to really focus on Lamar Jackson throwing the ball deep or throwing the ball just in general because he hasn't been as accurate. You know, we we, we talked about this a couple weeks mm -hmm. ago. He's played well. He's played well, but he hasn't been as accurate. And I think that's what they're going to force him to do. And it's the same with the Ravens. The Ravens going to do the same because Big Ben hasn't been great either. You know, he's, he's, he's playing not as good as he, you know, as, he, as we're accustomed to seeing. You know, obviously he was out the year prior, the last year, so – we have not seen him play himself, but he is an older quarterback now, but they're finding ways still to win the ball. And they do have the number one defense in the league currently, total defense. So they'll they'll be ready for that run game that the Ravens is definitely going to bring. But it's going to be interesting. I can't wait. You know, and then they got, Yon they got Yannick now too. So, you know, one of you guys brought up a good point and said about, uh, I think it was Henry, because Marlon Humphrey, they're blitzing him. Now they're not going to have to use him as a blitz because now they can really rush the four. They can rush four. So, you know, it's going it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to really see this game. So, yeah, but I, I got this I got the score Steelers by 3 30 to 27. So, I haven't really made my pick yet. Um I keep going back and forth with them, but I do think this is going to be a 3-point game either way. I'll probably make my pick for this one last minute. Um just for all of the points that you guys have said on both sides, I'm I'm really, like I said, excited about this this matchup. I want to see what the Ravens are going to do against this defense. Um, and I want to see 
what the Steelers are going to do against the Ravens. This is going to be such a good matchup to me. You guys always play each other mm-hmm. well, but I don't know. For some reason, I have a good feeling about the entertainment factor of this game. I'm looking forward to it. It's so, on in that 10 a.m. West Coast time window, correct? Yeah, it is 10 a.m. Yes. Because we're talking about they flex it. They got to. You, th- you would think have- they would. You would think they would because this is the game of the week. Don't nobody yeah. want to see Clearly. Dallas and Billy. <laughs> this is the game of the week to me. I, I don't Clearly. I don't know how they, they messed this one up. They messed this one up. And then the way the schedule is right now, too. I mean, their um their record. Dallas. Right. I mean, come on, man. That's we like we just saw Dallas on primetime week before last, and it was a snooze fest. Yep. Right. The people watching and the Dallas defense on the field when Kenyon Drake was just, you know, out there for a Sunday stroll, just, you know, <laughs> walking into the end zone for a 70 yard. Like they, they I think we still have time for them to be able to, as we record this on Tuesday, it has yet to be flexed out. So the things can change. The line dropped. Steelers opened up as like, what was it? A five point favorite. It's now only three and a half. No, nah, we're favored. Oh yeah, it was Ravens. Yeah, Ravens favored because the home yeah. squad. Yeah, off the, but it's three and a half as of today. So stay yeah, tuned. Stay tuned. But it's probably not going to happen because of Jerry Jones. You know, I remember I was telling you in the chat because of the pool that he has. Probably not going to happen, but it should. It definitely should. Jerry Jones should get rid of that pool this year, just this year. He should be like, look, never mind. We're going to take this year off. If, if only the NFL <laughs> defense against Jerry Jones was the same level of Dallas's defense on the field, then you have this greatest game on Sunday night. <laughs> oh, that was funny. So let's move into our final preview. We have a big NFC West rivalry, Niners and Seahawks. Who do you guys have taking this game? I know the Niners offense is hurting a little bit, but who do you guys have taking this game and why? I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna go with a surprise. I'm gonna go Niners. I'm gonna go Niners just because, man, I, that, that Seattle defense is putrid, and I think what Shanahan is gonna do, I think he's really gonna try to just run that ball, uh, get some play action, hit George, try to hit George Kittle over the middle. Pretty much just try to keep Russell Wilson in that offense on the sideline and just try to gasp out that that uh, Seattle's defense. Uh, we just saw what they did. We saw what San Francisco did uh, to the Patriots, even though the Patriots, of course, isn't playing good football right now. They did have a pretty good game plan for how they wanted to attack Cam Newton in that in that off in that offense. So, but I think what Shanahan's going to do is try to you know run the ball, control the clock win that uh, time of possession of this game by pretty much keeping, you know, Russell Wilson on the sideline because I think that's that's their best bet, honestly, with especially with all those injuries, especially with not having Nick Bosa there, you know, to, to put the pressure over there on Russell Wilson. I think the game plan is to keep Russell Wilson on the bench, which means, you know, run the ball, do a little couple play action system passes over the middle, or, you know, he likes to do them little end arounds. Um so I think that's going to be the game plan for him. I'm going to go um, 49ers 24, Seattle 21. Okay. That's, yeah, I think I still got Seattle winning this game. 
still have Seattle here. I, li- I like what I'm seeing, though, with certain players that are on the field for San Francisco, and particularly Fred Warner. Mm. When we were doing our top 10s, I had him like right at the bottom of the top 10, and my biggest gripe with him had always been how he is in run fits. And mm-hmm. this year, that dude is just – he's locked in. He is so complete. He's hes took that to the point to where right now, I'd say up to this point, like as I've been updating my all pros at the more I watch film and see people, he's right there. He is playing at an elite level right now. And it's still going to be noticed when the, Se- when the Seahawks try to run the ball and maybe Russ won't be able to get loose scrambling the way he did, most certainly like he did against the Cardinals. I think the Niners will shut that down a little better. And the only person really in coverage, though, for Sam Fran that's doing a lot is Jason Verrett. And the story of him being able to play as good as he is right now, I absolutely love seeing it because that guy could not stay healthy for so long. And he just refused to stop playing like so many other guys that we have seen before him quit after one year of a, of a season-ending injury. Then the next year, the same thing. The next year, the same thing. The next year, the same thing. And yet teams still give him a, kept giving him a chance. And right now he's back to playing at a very high level. So one, whatever receiver it is, he's on. He play, He's usually the boundary corner in that offense. He's assumed Sherman's role. Whatever receiver is on the boundary, that's usually DK in this offense. That's going to be a real, that's going to be a treat for those who have the all 22 game pass to see. And so Seattle having those two receivers, and even David Moore getting loose when he when he's able to, Will Disley as well, and Russ just keeps on cooking regardless. Uh-huh. And I still think that's going to be too much for Jimmy G to match firepower-wise. Yeah. So that that's really the just the biggest difference. Everything like coaching-wise, I think Kyle Shanahan's a very good coach. Pete Carroll, long tenured success in the league, but just too much Russ. I mean. Just too much rush. He's he's going to put up a ton of points, and I do think Jimmy will be able to move the ball. Kittle, I mean, George Kittle is going to going to make a ton of people miss. Debo Samuel's back to the injury report. I would want to see what they would look like both healthy. Of course, we all do, but that's not the case this Sunday. So I got Seattle actually winning by 10. Give me 31-21 Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got Seattle winning this game, but I, I do like the the pick. You know, if anybody, I mean, like if anybody picked the 49ers, I wouldn't be mad at it because it is a rivalry game. We just seen what Arizona was able to do to that Seattle uh, defense. You know, we seen what every team is able to do. They still they still have the worst defense in the league. Any team and every team and every QB is able to put points on this defense, and I think that's that that is their Achilles' heel. At the end of the day, I you know you guys know how I feel about Seattle. They're my pick to to go all the way this year, but that defense it it's just it's terrible, and I think that's why the 49ers will have a chance to win this game. And Kyle Shanahan, we seen what he did last week. You know, Jimmy G, he didn't have a great game. You know, he actually was was kind of bad. He was able to get the ball, he was able to to distribute the ball around, but he had two interceptions, no touchdowns. You know, and then the game, and then see, that's the thing with him. He's been so inconsistent because the week prior to that. He did really well versus the Rams. You know, he ran that offense like he's been running the offense for for many years. You know, and playing, he played really well in that game. But I just feel like, like what you said, Russ is just. I mean, they score so quick. He scores so quick, and I feel like that's exactly what's going to happen here. I think the only way the 49ers really win this game is if they really time possession. They got to dominate the time possession and really run the ball. 
and get, you know, get their points off that way. I don't think Jimmy G is really going to do much. He'll get the, you know, he'll be able to pass the ball because how bad this defense is, but he's so inconsistent. I wouldn't be surprised if he has another game like last week where, you know, he'll have almost 300 yards or 300 yards, no touchdowns and an interception, you know, a costly interception. So, yeah, I, I got the I got the Seattle Seahawks winning this one 28-24. The thing, too, the Niners, their offense is the best when they can have success running the ball. And, the, right. and as bad as Seattle has been, so leaky. I mean, it's like a golf course out there. Freaking nine holes or 18, how many? Count them right on the <laughs> defense, right? And But when it comes to the run, though, even since Jamal Adams has been gone and since they have acquired Snacks Harrison and they'll hopefully deploy him soon, they've been able to stop the run. And if you can stop the Niners run game, which is a little bit different than everybody else's with all the different eye violations and misdirection plays that they have, if you're able to stop the run and put the onus on Jimmy, that makes it a little bit more tougher for them to move the ball. So that's kind of how I see it unfolding to expand on my initial point. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, but even when you look at that, I mean, they're still averaging 110 yards per game on the ground. Who so, is? The Seahawks. The Seahawks. They're so, allowing 110 on the ground per game? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the defense is pretty bad. I just yeah. can't see them. I don't know. I can't see Russ coming out and losing back to back. That's good. With point. the defense. I mean, he, like we say every single week, he's just rolling right now. And the way that they, not the, well, the way that they lost this past week. I just see him turning it up a notch even more. And I don't know if the Niners, even with that bad defense, can keep up with him, specifically in just this game coming from the last game where they lost. I don't know. It should be a good game, though. It's, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be a good game because the 49ers and I'm and I'm shocked, man. You know, uh, we got a couple 49er fans on the page. Obviously, CJ being one of the biggest ones on there, if not the biggest 49er fan, and know what's going on. They got so many injuries, and they we just do. About, right. You know, we just talked about Dallas's injuries and their players being gone and stuff like that. 49ers, they got they probably got the most injuries in the league, and they are still out there playing pretty tough and beating some 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 good teams out there. So. You know, this is this is going to be a game. This is going to be a really good game. That's a good point. I think they always know, play each other well too. They yeah. do another division rivalry, and I think with like the injury count, I think see, I think uh, Philly has the most. But if you look at the Niners, the ones that they have are like, if you were to put them all on a scale in terms of importance, I think the Niners are the heaviest in terms of the injuries that they've lost. It's just like from the top. Like from the top of it is where all these injuries are occurring from the guys that you were relying on. Whereas in Philly, it might be some fringe dude, some like rotational guy rather than like your main culprits in the type of team that you are. Right. But yeah, because right. they, they, I mean, it just seems like every week it's somebody pivotal. Like Debo came back for two weeks and he's mm -hmm. back on an injury report again. Yeah. So yeah, it's just real, real tough to deal with those injuries. I hate seeing it, but yeah. Like the uh, the Steelers game and this game, those these these division games where these teams know each other, there's that familiarity. 
And then especially at like this time right now where we are in the 2020 season, if the Steelers win this weekend, that basically gives them, quote unquote, a two game advantage on Baltimore in the division. And then if the Niners can win this game against Seattle, I mean, what type of inspiration that's going to deliver to that locker room and that ball club is going to be huge with with as wide open as the NFC West already is. So a lot of pivotal matchups in divisions that I'm really looking forward to see very much so myself as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Any other picks you guys want to discuss? You guys have any upsets for the week? Upset. Yeah, I got the – well, it's not really an upset, but it's an upset within our podcast because I got the Steelers winning. Everybody else got the Ravens, I believe. So, And Baltimore's favorite. But that still wouldn't be an upset because, you know, they play so well versus each other anyway every you, year. You really not going to make a pick, Brandy? Yeah, Brandy, you got to make a pick. I mean, come make, on. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's tough, but you got to make Oh, no, I'm, I'm picking – Seattle. No, no, no. It's the oh, Ravens yeah. Steelers. Yeah, oh, right. Ravens Steelers. Okay. As of now, I am going to pick the Ravens. So yeah, upset Josiah on on uh on on Steeler Island over there. <laughs> Udamara Blitzburg, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Look, ask me tomorrow. I'll be like, Ooh. right. Yeah. I always tend to go towards LJ though, so it's hard for me to pick against him, to be honest. That was supposed to be my quarterback, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, right. y'all chose someone different. Uh, you know, always do. Um, <laughs> so let's move into our next segment. We have Chase. Fantasy Chase is coming up. I have a question for you, Chase. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing fantastic now. I apologize again about the hiatus, guys. Uh, like I said, real life kind of comes first sometimes, you know. Always, always, yeah. always, every day. There's always no apologies first. there, bro. Yeah, no apologies. Glad to have you back. Um, I wanted to ask you with the key injuries that are happening all around the league. What are fantasy owners doing right now? What? <laughs> I feel like it's scramble mode. You know, I, I'm in scramble mode. You know, I, I'm right there with you. There's a couple leagues. In fact, our SSAW league, I've been experiencing a lot of frustration because myself, I've lost uh, Barkley, Godwin, and Dak all in that league alone. And that's those are some of my best players on the year. Right. And it like it doesn't matter how many points throughout the season I've scored. I'm the highest scoring team in that league, but I've had more points scored against me than anybody else, and I just can't catch a break. In some leagues, it's just going like like that. I mean, you just no matter how perfect you do, no how no matter how good you are in the waiver wires this year because of all the entries. Once you plug one hole, a leak springs in the other side of the boat, and you're just like you're you're just going down with the ship at this point. Uh, but I mean, the only way people are going to survive this is it's my biggest thing is waiver wire. I say it every year. You don't win or lose your league during the draft. You win during start sits and waiver wires because you can't mm-hmm. you can't just plug and play your lineup from the draft. That never works out. Any championship team will have those waiver wire winning roster ads that like one year is Alvin Kamara. You know, you have those players that come out of nowhere and you just blow up on the scene and win you your year. 
So you this year more so than others, you have to be vigilant. You can't miss a week on waiver wire. You have to make sure you're dropping the right guy and adding the right guy. Don't drop somebody too soon. Don't drop somebody too late. And the biggest thing I've noticed this year is depth. You need depth at running back probably more than any other position because in some leagues you kind of get down to, oh, I had four starting running backs at the beginning of the year. Well, now you had just lost you know, Barkley or Chubb, whoever it may be. Now you're down to three, and now you're dealing with uh, bye weeks on the same week or whatever it may be, or starting Lamichael Pirine. You know, you're kind of in that boat this year, bro. I, I'm in. I'm in four leagues as it is. I put in a waiver wire ad for Lamichael Pirine because my backs are either hurt or on bye this week. So uh, how did I do trust? It? I I know the feeling. I my uh, starting running running backs in one league is uh, Devontae Freeman, who's hurt, and. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who is irrelevant. So I picked up Michael P. Ryan, and I'm trying to find a second running back at this point. You yep. know, it's everybody else is on by. Oh, I also lost Kenyon Drake. And you're just like, oh, well, yep. it's not like he was being very relevant because Chase Edmonds, as you all said earlier, looks like Kenyon Drake last year. That mm-hmm. was, yeah. He's but, very effective. I got a question for you. Yeah. And this is one that I've had a couple of people actually hit me up with is that. If you're a Clyde Edwards Hilaire fantasy owner and you've seen the addition of Le'Veon Bell signed to the squad, what do you do with Clyde? This is literally, my, this is literally what I've been asked. My, my first goal, if I was the Clyde Edwards in redrafts, it's different for Dynasty. And I, I know some of our listeners might be Dynasty. Some of them might only do redraft. But in redraft, my first instinct was to trade Clyde for Jonathan Taylor anywhere because Jonathan Taylor has one of the best fantasy schedules going forward. And the thing is, is that fantasy playoffs, like if you're if you see what your team is now, if you're like four and two or five and one, you know, you might be or four and three or, you know, five and two, you might be sitting there like, okay, well, I can I can sell Clyde Edwards high off of that last game before this most recent week against Denver and go get Jonathan Taylor, who was on a buy, and hopefully just capitalize and be like, a. hopefully people would look at it like, okay, well, Bell's not going to take too much away from him. Because my biggest concern with Clyde is uh, until this most recent week, he is fourth in the league in uh, red zone rushing attempts. However, he only had one touchdown until this, uh, one rushing touchdown into this uh, most recent week. So that was a big red flag for me. And then when they get Le'Veon Bell, which we all know, his one good skill he's always had is he can score. That's true. Do you think he cuts into like, like do you think Clyde keeps his main role and that bell just kind of slots in as that receiving back for those who are in PPR leagues? I don't think it's necessarily a receiving back issue. I think it's going to be a more of a vulture issue. I think Levy and bell is going to be a flex worthy option and it's going to, because he's going to score more touchdowns than Clyde. It might be one of those things where, Best case scenario, it's a Chubb Hunt uh, situation. I got you. I got you. So for this game, if we're the big game we all talked about for this weekend was Steelers and the Ravens. Steelers and the Ravens, huge game. Last week, people who used the waiver wire to their benefit to improve their team had signed Chase Claypool or added Chase Claypool to the to their roster. Last week, it didn't have that big of a game. If you were dealing with a starter a sit between someone such as Chase Claypool, Darius Slayton, where are you going there? 
Uh, well, I'm not going Darius Slayton because Tampa Bay's just as bad of a defense, and I'm going to take the upside of Claypool. Uh, I mean, they're, Charlton Davis probably going to cover uh, Slayton, and Charlton Davis has been killing it. But my point is, is like I'm not going to risk it on that. But he, this is going to get kind of a uh, kind of off the radar. But I'm going to look at uh, wide receivers like Nelson Aguilar. Uh, Henry Ruggs. And I know that's crazy on Nelson that ain't Aguilar. crazy, bro. You're talking to two Raider fans here on a Cover Zero pod. Yeah, I know. A lot of the fantasy listeners, though, might be sitting there like, oh, my God, really? Nelson Aguilar coming from a bitter Eagles fan myself that had Aguilar for so long on our team. And, I mean, he did only colors. That's all he needed. <laughs> uh, but Nelson Aguilar, he's had a touchdown in four of the six games. Uh, on top of that, in the last three games, he scored over 14 points or more. 20 plus points this last week and he's going against cleveland which happens to be one of the worst teams against the pass or against uh, four wide receivers so and aguilar has been leading the team in snaps on the season and especially the last four weeks so i think they realized that okay we signed aguilar on a uh one-year contract and the one thing i did like that gruden said about aguilar is hey i brought in a championship winning uh, uh wide receiver he's not just a nobody off the streets and I was yeah. like, he gave he gave him his due. So I was like, you you got to respect Gruden for that and seeing something in him. And you know, I'm I'm happy for him. But I would start Aguilar over Claypool this week. And it's it's crazy to think that. Oh, okay, but it's because of that matchup against Baltimore. Baltimore is stingy, stingy against wide receivers right now. Mm-hmm. They, I don't believe they uh, have been allowing much of anything. But I'm, my thing is, is if Deontay Johnson's out then that means Claypool is either going to get, and Claypool, even if Deontay Johnson is in, might still get Peters or Humphrey, and it's kind of who do they decide. Like I think Peters probably matches better up against Juju, and I think Humphrey is just the better all-around cornerback, and probably the best in the league in my opinion. And I think he could clearly shut down that big play opportunity of Claypool. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's... It's going to be rough. And my the other thing about Claypool, it's a big red flag for me again. It's kind of what I touched on with Clyde. Claypool has zero receiving touchdowns inside the red zone. All of them are big plays. He does, The one threat he does offer in the red zone, though, is that end around. That's yeah. the one threat he offers there. So like, if he's not getting the target, <laughs> which you're right, he hasn't. But he offers that one threat with the end around, which, yes, that's a – that he he has one he has what two of those on the year where he's got to end yeah. around on the goal line and betting on that like if you were to make that bet on you know like a Vegas bet you're gonna look at probably plus four hundred odds to give him like a end around rushing touchdown oh I it, was it just say like twenty five to thirty well, might, <laughs> might even anymore. might even be like that you know it's one of those things you're like I'm talking about like plus four hundred so bet ten dollars to win forty on a ridiculous rushing touchdown but. Okay. Yeah, it, it's very fluky. You can't predict those for wide receivers. Uh, so that's that's just one of my things. And clearly what ha- – like the previous two weeks, Deontay Johnson had been hurt. Last week, Deontay Johnson was healthy, and you kind of saw Claypool hit the back burner. And then as soon as he fumbled, he hit the doghouse. Yeah. Like his snap counts dropped, everything. And it was just – it was one of those things. I was like, okay, well, I don't know if I can trust him. And as you all had alluded to earlier, uh, Baltimore – is probably the best defense, in my opinion, that Pittsburgh's going to face. And mm-hmm. it's in Baltimore. I know there's not – if they have fans there or not, like regardless, it's reduced. That's not the biggest factor. But still, when you when you travel from place to place and you have to go into that type of environment, 
it you feel it you know yeah you're not sleeping in your own bed that's like where yeah. the difference comes like it, it's there's there's like a difference that you're sleeping in your own bed you're seeing your family you you have your players and and athletes have their routines and those routines and you have your game important. day rituals at exactly. home you know everything yeah yeah it's it's all it's it there is a difference there for sure i gave it you 100 percent. another question on to a topic that we were talking about before the dallas cowboys offense is now going to be guided by a rookie <coughs> yeah quarterback spot if you have playmakers on that Dallas offense, such as a Zeke Elliott, an Amari Cooper, a C.D. Lamb, maybe even a Dalton Schultz in certain deep leagues, or Michael Gallup, etc., what are you doing with those guys? I'm dropping Michael Gallup. I'm trying to trade Amari Cooper. I'm trying to trade C.D. Lamb. And this is all in redraft. As Zeke, you probably have to keep him because you're not going to get the value for him unless someone just... I don't know. I mean, if they're going to give you like a James Robinson and something, I might take uh, Zeke. Like if they give you like a James Robinson and maybe maybe DJ Moore, I doubt anybody would do that, but maybe right. they're desperate enough. Or even if it's Robbie Anderson, if you get like a, you know, a two for one deal, I might trade Zeke. But for the most part, you're probably not keeping him uh, or you're not trading him. Uh, but you would not I, do James Robinson and Zeke straight up. I don't, I don't think I would, man, uh, just because we know Zeke's upside. But, man, as you said earlier, you were spitting straight facts. It was like it was pure fire. They are not bought in, and they don't look like they want to be there. They like, I mean, I, I made a comment in our uh, chat, but he, he's just there so he doesn't get fined. Like, yeah, I mean, one. yeah, it, it, it looks bad, and I just can't oh, – man, I don't, want, I don't want any part of it. I will say there's one trade Dallas could make. That would make me buy in. They should trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know it sounds stupid, but fantasy wise, it would make them relevant again. I was thinking about that one. And the only reason that I would, I would might move off that or at least chill on that one for now is because of the severity of what Dalton's injury might be. And the move is to really bring back Dak next year. Ultimately. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's, Fits that move though. If you bring in Dak next year, sign him to a uh, or franchise tag him and bring him in for one more year, give him another chance to prove it. Uh, bring him. Yeah. I still think Ryan Fitzpatrick is better, gives them a better chance at winning this year than Andy Dalton. I would agree 100%. I would agree 100%. But the only thing is, is because what Miami is going to want is future picks. And that's what Dallas would have to be able to give up to secure that. And if Dallas is going to do anything and resurrect this ship with Mike McCarthy in the office, they're going to need to use those picks because I think they used those picks well in the last draft. So to do that for someone that's not necessarily a part of the plan going forward, that's the only like, like I agree with you 100% from a fantasy perspective. If that goes down, keep your Dallas dudes. But if it doesn't, it, no, it, yeah. if it goes down, I, I will keep the Dallas players. But what, like maybe a fourth round pick for Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like he's, he's what, 34, 34 years old? You're not giving up a whole lot. They're going to get something in return for Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's not going to net anything in the comp pick return, you know, like right. in the comp formula. So it might be their best outcome because clearly they want to go with Tua. Ryan Fitzpatrick showed that he was upset after they benched him. He's like, I got fired today. And then I had to sit in a meeting with the kid that took my job, you know? Yeah. So it's one of those things you kind of, I think there's, I think the line's there for the call to be made, but they just got to do it. 
fourth that's actually like that i think that's actually the perfect price point right there for the fourth to do it the fourth yeah to do it now at this point in the year when bye weeks start to unfold and just from some general fantasy philosophies in general streaming defenses that's that's been just my approach every single year in fantasy with the defense as we sit here with this limited bye week maybe you're doing pretty well in terms of how your record is so if you're in a league that has a you know worst to best type of waiver priority or if you are in you know a fab waiver priority what streaming defenses would you give people this week so this really isn't a great week for streaming defenses uh if you just look at all the yeah if you just look at all the matchups but i'm looking at the colts i think the colts isn't a bad option against detroit it's one that it's not going to be you you you're going to rely on them getting a touchdown uh, to be high scoring, but that's usually what happens in most defenses. But I think they could probably give you seven points in your standard defensive uh, scoring. Uh, the Saints would be my number one option if they were on the waivers against Chicago. Uh, that's just kind of how I feel about that one. And I believe there's one other uh, one other defense that I was looking at earlier, and it's just because again matchups. But oh. Tampa Bay against the Giants. Tampa Bay has been good, but Tampa Bay might not be available. I think they're, yeah, their ownership's over 86% rostered in leagues right now. So they might not be on the waivers. But if they are, if you're in a 10-team league and they're available, snatch them up. I don't I think after, at least just from what I've noticed, you're right, I agree 100% if they're there. I mean, run right now, pause this podcast, or keep it on and just, you know, open a new window and grab them. And usually what I try and do when I'm streaming defenses is I look when a team's on a buy and all that right before like the the week closes, I try and pick them up before the waiver wire. I try and beat the waiver beat wire. The waiver wire. Yep. So so that way I don't have to rely on, okay, well, do I have to make this transaction or not? And in Yahoo, it allows you to drop players that have already played. So you can use use that to your benefit to, you know, be smarter. I mean, you gotta play chess while other play people play checkers. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're in a position where your team has a buy this week and you need, let's say, another option that people like to stream is tight ends. Do you have any gems there this week that you'd look at? Uh, I actually, you're probably going to start John O. Smith versus Cincinnati, but I do have a deep sleeper. It's a really deep sleeper. It's really, really kind of sketchy. Uh, but Cole commit versus New Orleans. They want to get him more involved. They got him more involved this last week. They talked, Nagy talked about how after the game, how they they liked what he did, and they want to get him even more involved uh, after that bad loss. But New Orleans has given up the second most TDs to tight ends. They've given up seven tight end or seven TDs through seven weeks. I mean, it's. I I think I would take a chance on Cole Commit if I'm desperate enough. Yeah, they need. To, I feel like Matt Nagy really just has to start including him in the offense. That's like a glaring need to. I don't know why he keeps trotting out Demetrius Harris, but yeah, hey, that's that's. Also, Harrison Bryant wouldn't be a bad option as well. Uh, he really came on strong. This past week was really good for tight ends. But, yeah, uh, Harrison Bryant w- wouldn't be a last one. I actually kind of benefited off of that one in a dynasty league. I had lost Ertz, and I had lost somebody else, and then Harrison Bryant was the only uh, tight end on the waivers, and I just had to plug and play him, and it worked out. Nice. Nicely done there. Another question that I actually wanted to uh, pick your brain on is that this Ravens backfield, it's Baltimore Ravens backfield. It's been basically like whack-a-mole 
in terms of who's going to pop up that day and be the one you start based on either he gets the bulk of the carries or he gets, he falls into the end zone. If you had like, like between Dobbins and Ingram's actually hurt right now, correct? Not correct. He is hurt. Yeah. So Dobbins, Gus Edwards, are you starting both? Are you going to the waiver wire? If Gus Edwards is there, how are you playing that backfield based on a, the Steelers defense and this kind of new look in terms of who's going to be there? I am not starting either running back versus the Steelers this week. Uh, if I had to, it would be Gus Edwards. And it's just because throughout the year, he has been beating uh, JK Dobbins on snap counts and he has been getting more goal line opportunities. And I think Gus Edwards, if it came down to having to pick which one's going to score, it would be Gus Edwards. And I think that's the only way I'm going to be able to fill a possible 10 points, you know, and it's sad to say that that's what I'm looking for from a running back right now and a starting position, but this is our atmosphere. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I mean, look at the running backs. People have losses here like Eckler, Chubb, Barkley, or not Kamara, but Christian McCaffrey. I mean, you're just, I mean, Chris Carson now. I mean, you're looking at all of them. Drake, people without Nixon. I mean, this might, this is like, actually, I was talking to a friend of mine about like just an overall philosophy of the running back position compared to when you go to the waiver wire at this time in the year. And granted a COVID year is unlike any other year, but does seeing the way this has shaken out shift your draft strategy to maybe go running back heavy next year in redraft formats? I usually do go running back heavy, but this year in particular, I actually emphasize it more than usual. And the reason why is because of the short off season, I knew there was going to be a lot of engine uh, injuries. And it's just because the one player that touches the ball more than the quarterback is the running back or as much as, or more than anybody else aside from the quarterback is the running back sure. and they get hit more than anybody else. I mean, even the quarterback, they get hit more than the quarterback. So they're already, their injury risk is already higher than just about everybody else on the field. And just looking at that and looking at the shortened off season, they didn't have a preseason. They didn't, uh, they had limited padded practices. It's hard to condition your body without, I mean, without getting hit, you know, like you have to get used to those small car crashes that they're getting into. Cause that's what it yeah. is. These are huge human beings. Yeah. I was back when I used to fight, I mean, your training camps, you're sparring all the time because you got, it's not just getting used to punching somebody. You got to get used to getting hit and reacting to what happens. You twist your body the wrong way. You're going to tear your ACL, tear your Achilles. I mean, now you go down with a shoulder injury. All these things happen to these running backs. So I felt like it was a bigger point this year in redraft to emphasize depth on running back. And it's it's really tough because even though I did, I'm still feeling that pain in almost every league. And so I when mean, you say you're feeling that pain, is that from when you used to fight or from the injuries that you've had uh, from your running oh, back fantasy? Both, without a doubt. <laughs> I, I, I've so many injuries in MMA, uh, ruptured Achilles, uh, deviated septum uh dislocated shoulder yeah it's uh yeah it was what uh what uh discipline were you was is your is your martial arts background uh muay thai boxing and jujitsu uh boxing and jujitsu were my bigger strengths uh muay thai i man i'm not good at kicks i I can kick really well but the thing is is i'm not very flexible i'd rather i'll chop you at your calves and your legs and your thighs you know i'll keep you keep you there keep you at a distance bicycle kicks that, that's what I, I used it for distance matters, you know, I got you, but for the most part, I was the shorter fighter. So I tried fighting on the inside of everybody's reach. So body shots. Nice. Nice. I had no idea about that at all. Everyone on the podcast learned it just like me. 
Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, former MMA fighter and a former college football player here talking about fantasy football. See, everybody does this shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to get to uh, this week, um, starts and sits. Do you have any in particular? Yeah, I, I try and do uh, one at each position each week, but I'm saying start of the week at quarterback. I'm going Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, week five against Atlanta, he uh, put up 24 points. I think he's going to just ball out again. Uh, Atlanta has just been horrendous to the uh, quarterback position, and I think he's the easiest plug and play. On the sit side for quarterback, you got to sit Josh Allen. Maybe he was a product of that easy first four weeks. But he's going against New England. New England has been giving up an average of 16 points to quarterbacks in fantasy. And so that's, man, it, it, he could he could easily do better than that. But it's just kind of a red flag for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, for running back, I'm going to go Kareem Hunt versus Las Vegas. They've allowed 18 as or more points. As my start, yeah. Uh, they've allowed 18 or more points to running back in four or six weeks. Uh yeah, it's yeah. No, it's, we can't tackle Corey Littleton. Is looking. I love the signing when it happened, but man, as this season unfolds, bad, he's the reason why I don't really like. I. I mean, I'm going to watch my teams all 22 every single snap and take notes and be that type of you know sit here in the lab like I'm Dexter. You know, I'm going to do that. But, I haven't been watching much of their games, but Corey oh Littleton is my. a great coverage linebacker from last year. So I. But this I don't year know. he's been so bad in coverage, and he's missing tackles. Like it's anyway. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Who, who's who's your who's your sit? Uh, sit at running back. I gotta sit any Chargers running back versus Denver. They've only given oh, up two TDs. Uh, I, I just I only say that because I need. I agree with you. I need Josh Kelly to just like Todd Gurley fall in the end zone, even if it's by accident, because Kenyon Drake got hurt and everybody I'm, else want to buy. I'm so desperate at running back in one league that I tried offering Claypool. For Justin Jackson, it got declined, and I tried offering Claypool for Mile Gaskin, and it got declined. Right, I'm like I, scarcity, I, dude. I, I told everybody, I was like, position scarcity is a real thing. It doesn't matter how good your player is, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. It gets to work for both teams, and even though they had depth, again, like I mentioned to you earlier, depth is so key to this year. So key. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so for a uh, start of the week, I've uh, for uh, wide receiver. I already mentioned Nelson Aguilar. That that was my start there, but I'm gonna sit Devonte Parker. It's his first game with Tua. Uh, it's his. Uh, he's uh, facing the Rams, and the Rams have just been dominant versus uh, versus wide receivers. So it's just, yeah, kind of tough on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnu Smith, uh, you got to start him. I also mentioned Cole Commit to start as well. Uh, but one of the games that we've talked about a lot on the podcast here today is going to have one of my sits of the week, and it's going to be kind of crazy, but I'm sitting Mark Andrews versus Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is really? top five versus tight ends. And I, I did more digging into the, to this as well. Since Lamar Jackson has been the starter in the two games last year that Mark Andrews has faced Pittsburgh, he has seven receptions for 45 yards, no touchdowns. Damn. So, so I, I think, Andrews. I mean – yeah, that's, that's saying, bro. He didn't really play. He didn't play too well the last time they played the Steelers. Yeah, the first game, the first, the second game, they 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 blew him out. But at that point, you know, it was still like a like a like the Steelers still had their season, you know. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. I, they would have won that game, they would have made the playoffs, a wild card. But the first game where it was a really good game and whatnot, that LJ didn't really have a too too good of a game. No, uh, so 
I'm, I'm going to sit Mark Andrews. I know it's kind of tough. And to give you one more other start at tight end that I would start even above Mark Andrews, Richard Rodgers. I mean, he was the number one receiving uh, weapon on the Eagles last week, and they're facing Dallas. Uh, I think he had like eight receptions for like 85 yards or something like that. Just plug and play him, especially in PPR. He may uh, get you a touchdown. He might not. Starter sit, Eric Ebron, Mark Andrews. Oh, oh. <laughs> can I go with Cole commit over them? <laughs> no, because this is like, I think Cole commit might be, we might have some people who don't have the access to add Cole commit. You know, if there's a, Bears I feel like, I feel like Cole commit should be available, but okay. Uh, I, I mean, maybe I'll just go, say he's not, I, I'm going to go Mark Andrews over Eric Ebron and oh my God, that's uh, yeah. Mark, Mark Andrews. Andrews. Well, no, I think that's not a fair ask. Let's say Mark Andrews or a Colts tight end. Oh, I'm going Trey Burton. That's easy. Trey Burton, uh, last, uh, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I want to say uh, two or three, or no, three of the last, uh, or the three last games he played, uh, two of the three he was led the team in targets. And then the most recent one, I still think he put up double-digit points and finished as a tight end one on the week. Not tight end one overall, but tight end, top 12 tight end. Mark Andrews uh, so or Harrison Bryant? Harrison Bryant. Okay. okay. It, it, it's it's rough. I know it sounds so so gimmicky and so so off, but I man, Mark Andrews just if if I told you that he was going to get even seven or seven receptions of forty five yards, eleven points total in this next game, would you take that eleven points in PPR or would you try and look for upside somewhere else at tight end? I'm going to take eleven in PPR. And so that's okay. the only and the only thing and the only way I say that is is because of how you pose it. Like if you say I'm gonna I'm gonna guarantee you eleven, there's a chance Mark Andrews trying to get you like three point eight. Now what if it's standard? Standard that see that changes a lot. Yeah. Standard I think that changes a lot. And so then that's where I'm gonna look to the upside. That's mostly why I prefer to play. I only honestly play if we're talking like money leagues. I only play PPR because I can I can gauge my floor. Very, yeah. very better. Uh, gauging the ceiling is harder to do than I think engaging a floor. And so exactly. that's why I like PPR. And it's also a pretty low over under. It's 46 and a half on the week uh, in Baltimore's favor, favorite at three and a half. And Baltimore has a good run defense. And I think what they're going to do is they're just going to try and milk the clock themselves. Uh, as you all had kind of mentioned in one of the other games with uh, San Francisco and Seattle, trying to milk the clock to keep the ball out of the other team's hands and just play that gridiron, you know, that grind house, just, you know, try and wear them out. And yeah, I, I just think Mark Andrews kind of, I, I just can't get behind it this week. I think he goes to the wayside. It, it's very well could happen. I mean, we all know how yeah. these games unfold. Last question before we get out of here. Last question. Odell yep. Beckham goes down with an ACL injury. Are you doing anything with someone like Donovan Peoples-Jones and Richard Higgins? How do you evaluate those guys? Uh, I'm actually going with Higgins because he clearly looked the best as soon as OBJ went down. Kind of a big play ability. I feel like Donovan Peoples-Jones kind of fits more into that big-bodied receiver. And when it comes to him, I think it's going to, like, clearly I think uh, Baker liked his tight ends, you know. He's going to go for those guys that are going to box out in the red zone. Uh, it, it's tough on that one, but I will say if you lost OBJ, 
other uh, players you should be looking at would be on the waiver wire would be Aguilar, Shepard, and for this week, even Greg Ward. I don't think he's a bad option. You know, with still so many people out on that team, he might lead the team in receiving. Uh, and oh, then a couple other. Fulcum? Uh, no, well, that one, he might be the one that leads the team in the receiving that you can get on the waiver wire. Would you drop Fulgham for Higgins? No, I would keep Fulgham. Would you drop Sterling Shepard for Higgins or Fulgham? I would drop Shepard for, for Fulgham. Uh, yeah. And then uh, running backs I would look at on the waiver wire would be like Carlos Hyde, uh, Jermichael Hasty, and... Uh, Zach Moss, if they're available. Okay. Okay. Rank uh, rank these three running backs for this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, those three? Yeah, those three. For this week, I will probably go Hasty, Hyde, Moss, and that's just because Moss is facing New England. Uh, and I think with him and Singletary already splitting time, it's just – not something I want to be part. I think Hasty sure. has a good, a high upside, but San Francisco has a good run D, so that's why I'm kind of fading Hyde below Hasty. Uh, but Hyde also is dealing with a uh, injury as well. Uh, it's a minor hamstring injury, I believe. He should be able to play, but if he doesn't, it might be DJ uh, DJ Jal- Dallas or uh, Travis Homer. Mm-hmm. The one thing I think it's going to be Carlos Hyde. I think he's going to be the guy that suits up Thursday. Will tell us a lot more information and be able to tell us who we're going to go with. But if I knew one hundred percent, I'd like if Hyde was completely healthy and there was no question, I would go Hyde over all of them. But because of that doubt, yeah, yeah. I got you. All right, so we record it's on a Tuesday. So if you're listening to this on a Thursday, when you're listening to this, check that waiver wire. Make sure those people are not gone and place the value where you need we appreciate everybody very much listening to the cover zero podcast chase appreciate you immensely coming back and look bro fantasy football is exactly that it's fantasy it's not reality so no apology needed for you missing when you did very much appreciated having you here appreciate y'all understanding absolutely man absolutely we will catch y'all after the sunday action we're going to catch all after this weekend Sunday action. It's going to be great. Hope your fantasy team does very well. Unless you're in the SSAW league and playing against the Cover Zero podcast, we had to go up and put up against a, a monster score last week. We had to do it. We had to do it. <laughs> you put up – you. Tyler Lockett could have beat me alone for you all. <laughs> and we had Devontae Adams. <laughs> I, I know. Like, Joe Burrow. Before that game ever started, I actually text CJ and I was like, oh, hey, I lost. Uh, I already lost. I was like, Burrow, Adams, and uh, whoever else it was. I was like, oh, Jamal Williams. I was like, yep, they they all beat me. Burrow, Adams, Jamal Williams, and then Darren Waller even had a nice game for the tight end. Like, it was just, that was our best week. Those things happen, whatever. You run into buzzsaws. I think the biggest thing, my mo- and I, I'm experiencing this in my highest money league. Shout out to the TJ Who's Your Daddy League that I'm in. And I've been in for now 14 years. I'm leading the league in points against. I am top five in points, but I am in dead last. <laughs> look look at the SSAW league. I'm almost 100 points more in points for, and I'm almost 150 points more in points against than any other team in the league. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me, man. I have a good team. <laughs> right. And then injuries. It's yeah. just sometimes luck and the way the schedule works. I feel like injuries 
you i mean there, there's so much not skill that goes into fantasy oh right. there, there's there's a big amount of luck in it and no matter how much you predict it you just sometimes you have a bad year i mean that's really my worst league this year too like i'm i've got one win in it and i just can't i think i'm mathematically eliminated now uh right. in that league right right so if they're still listening this deep in the show <laughs> they at least are still going to listen to your advice because everything is logically sound and that's why fantasy is fantasy yeah it's the best way to set yourself up for success we will catch y'all after the action on sunday everybody take care of yourselves and each other that's our show be sure to email us with your questions comments and statements cover zero podcast at gmail.com be sure to like us by supporting our facebook page you can find us at specialized sports analysis worldwide and if you want more exclusive content, feel free by clicking join when you want into the SSAW family by typing in Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide Group. See you next week.